Hey everybody and welcome to a ball busting wild ride with Steve-O. This week we've got Donnell Rawlings and man he's breaking my balls over here but boy is he hilarious and you know what I'm really excited to tell you that this is my new tour bus man and I literally just woke up and I'm going to show you how I do it man. I meditated I snuggled with Wendy and now I'm having my athletic greens because I just woke up, man. I have an empty stomach, but that's no problem with this kind of a supplement, man. You can have an empty greens on a totally empty stomach, and it's delicious, man. Plus, a very healthy person told me not to start drinking coffee until I've hydrated myself. So, dude, I'm hydrating, man. Drinking water with athletic greens mixed into it. And this athletic greens, dude, it's like real food, man. And I don't really eat that healthy these days. So it makes me feel a lot better. This is how I start my day, dude. It's just super quality bioavailable ingredients that fill in my nutrition gaps. And it's delicious and a great way to start my day. And I want you to try it. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Stevo. And with your first purchase, they'll give you an entire year's supply of immune-boosting vitamin D for free. Plus five of these packets that I'm pounding down right now. Mm. One more time. Athleticgreens.com slash Stevo. For five free packs and a year supply of vitamin D. It's a dope deal, man, and I do it every morning. Like, now I'm gonna start waking up. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, Donnell Rawlings. Yeah, dude. <clears throat> Me being an actor that I am, I just wanna take this opportunity to say that that was the shittiest intro that I've had in my 27 years of being nobody, or in some people's eyes, somebody, but that interview, I mean, that intro sucked. Yeah, <laughs> everybody gets the same bullshit intro. Really? Yeah, yeah. No. I wanted to feel special, man. Yeah, okay. Well, there's always the intro that uh, I do when I record this episode. Is your dog falling asleep right now? She's not, but she's a mix of uh, Belgian Malinois and Xanax. A Xanax? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, she. I don't know if it was me because I started talking or I was being insulting to her dad, but she was excited outside on the sidewalk, yeah. and the minute I made this joke about you giving no me the shitty uh, intro. She pretty much had the same facial expressions as my baby mother does when I talk. <laughs> it's just, it, like, just, just concerned, like, okay, just keep talking, keep talking. It's all it's all good. You know, every episode of this podcast, I give uh, a different adjective. Okay. You know, I, I don't know what, what adjective I'll attribute to this one. We'll have to figure that out as we go. But how the hell are you? I'm doing good, but I'm glad that you explain adjectives and not pronouns. Yeah. Because that's a big thing in the street now, getting your pronouns right. right. Yeah. Which I always get wrong. And the only pronoun, and people know from my experiences on Chappelle's show, my experiences doing stand-up, that the only pronoun I use is son. I call okay. everybody son. Then I don't, want, I don't have to worry about anybody. And whenever I say son... Nobody's ever said, but I identify as a daughter. Right. I identify as a stepsister. Sure. They just answer son. So I think that that's the new thing we should do, bro. Everybody is son. Son yeah. is all encompassing. Yes, sir. Yeah. But when I'm performing my art, I, I find myself being careful. Why'd not you to... pause when you said that? <laughs> well, you said it like some people might have a different definition of it. <laughs> <laughs> you call it art, I call it Jack jerking off uh, out of helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. But I, I'm mindful not to re repeat the same things too many times. Like, if I, like, oh, have I said ladies and gentlemen? You know, but, like multiple times, and I'll be thinking that in my head. But then all of a sudden, I start thinking, is it like? Is it okay to say ladies and gentlemen? Is that like politically correct now? I think ladies and gentlemen is a nice way of saying assholes and assets. Sure. But you know, because, go, go ahead, go ahead. I have a, I've been known to interrupt people and I apologize. It's all good, yeah. man. Me too. So does he. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so it's interrupted. Like, yeah, be and our voices are the same now, too. Yeah, yeah. My shit is so strained now. And I know not me 
I know people have made fun or whatever, right? And I might have been in a subtle way in the past made funny, fun of your voice sometimes. Sure. I'm paying the price right now. Yeah. Oh, it's all good, I, man. I'm, no, I'm paying the price though, because I come up here and I was like this, motherfucker, your shit sounds just like his shit. So now yeah. you got you got to pay for it. Oh, it, it's all good, man. You know they used to play this game. My jackass buddies, they they take my phone and before phones locked and shit, you know, and then. Uh-huh. They'd, go through and they'd just call random girls and pass it around and they'd be pretending to be me. Oh, yeah. And then nobody ever was the wiser. They'd be get girls on the phone, oh, hey, hey, baby, you miss my wiener? <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be right. They'd be, I cannot yeah. get over the disinterest that your fucking dog had. I want to look at some old shows and see, should I pull a race car right now? <laughs> no, no, nah, she's, she's, she's she like is that, mellow man. jello every time. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. she falls asleep. Really? It yeah. looks like she's falling asleep right now. Well, yeah, we'll she see. Prob- she probably will be. Where'd you get that dog? I found her on the streets of Peru. So that's actually a rescue dog? Um. Yeah. I, I um, Yeah, uh, that I qualifies bet. as a rescue sure. dog for sure. Yeah, even though she was doing pretty well for herself on the streets of Peru, evidently. She was overweight. She was just chilling. She was in good health. Um, but yeah, but we uh, met in a foreign country. Yeah. Had we met before? We met before, but we're just in passing, probably like you leaving. I'm pretty, we've shared the stages together at, yeah. at the Laugh Factory. Right, right. But um, yeah, that was the last time I can remember us being somewhere that close and like me having a conversation with you and everything. It was in uh, Cancun for the um, yeah. Just for Laughs, uh, Cancun. Um, uh, what is it? Festival? It was, it was yeah, festival. just for last yeah. festival. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was a festival, uh, like a vacation package kind of a thing. And, yeah. and they had me and you and, and Jim Jeffries and uh, Tom Segura. Yep. And who else Nikki was it? Um, uh, Bobby Lee. Uh-huh. We had everybody. I remember the last show we did. Everybody had uh, 10 minute sets. And you did 45. <laughs> They tried to give you a 10-minute set? I mean... No, no, I've been... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, it, what it was, it was, uh... It, it was a fucking, like, a karaoke thing, right? The, the okay. The comedy jam, and you're supposed to tell a story and then sing a song. Right. And, like, they, they, your story's supposed to be five minutes. Uh-huh. So I just want to know where the fuck the 45 minutes come from. So, yeah, what story did you tell? Your life story? Well, no, I mean, I, I told the story about how I met Motley Crue when I was a little kid. I, I, I'd have trouble believing that uh, that it took 45 minutes. But uh, from from according to sources... Sources would be me. It felt like 45 Sources would be me. And the reason why the sources would be me, because I go behind this motherfucker, right? And you just you told me what happened. You didn't give a fuck about the black man on deck. You could care less about that shit. You knew you had UFC to go to. You knew you had to try to everything you could do to ruin my set and give me two minutes. And this is what they came. And this was it was fun. Look, look, oh, now look your dog now, don't want yeah. to participate. Yo, listen, motherfucker, I'm telling the truth about your punk ass over. No. So and then so here's the here's the real story. So we doing it. And I was excited to see you. I always like to see you perform. Because you never know what the fuck is going to happen. Also knew that I wanted to perform, right? And I think we had a hard out at 12 midnight. Yeah. Um, I think you got the mic at 12, 25. I'm not big on numbers, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, somewhere around that, right? And then you was doing your thing, and they gave you the light. Oh, and, I didn't know that there was a light. I never... Okay, those are... You're like, all oh, these lights everywhere, that's, wow. That's, that's your truth, Steve. It's not mine. <laughs> and I know your ass knew the light because every time that we hit your eyes, you would turn the other way <laughs> not Ignore. to engage the light. <laughs> right. I didn't. And you know, comedians are assholes. Comedians are assholes because you run in the light. You run it. Like, you doing a marathon. You did a sprint... <laughs> And a marathon through the light. Like you ran it slow, then you ran it fast, right? And then everybody's like, and then one of the producers was like, well, Donnell, um, you might not be able to go up. That's when I became racist and said, why the fuck did y'all let this white boy go on so long, right? But it was like, uh, you might not be able to go up. You got to cut your time. I was like, why? It was like, Steve-O's going long. I'm like, so what's the worst that could happen? They fucking pull the power? Mm-hmm. Right when I'm on stage, because like you say, you have to do stand-up, and then you do a song, right? Mm-hmm. And I chose to sing um, uh, Born in the USA, 
okay. because I did a gauge of the audience and 99% of the audience was white. And there's no way you can lose with white people born in the USA. For sure. So I said, it's going to be a crowd favorite, whatever. So I do my jokes. I'm ready to do it. Just the lights go off. He's nowhere around. <laughs> He's fast asleep. He's fast asleep. He's fast doing whatever the fuck you're doing, rescuing dogs in Mexico or whatever it is, right? And I'm singing Born in the USA. This is the lights when everybody's like, fuck, fuck. And I said, okay, listen, everybody. I said, this is going to be a tough situation. But if everybody is quiet enough to listen to, because we're going to have to project. If everybody's quiet enough, we could get it off. If everybody pay attention, we could get it off. And we didn't have any lights, so I told everybody to turn on their um, self. One of the best moments I've had in comedy, told everybody to turn their cell phone lights on. And then Josh signals the band to play. No, all we had with no, um, the drums weren't being amplified. The guitars weren't. It was just, you can imagine listening to music and a guitar just like coming off the strings. Right. But people focused enough where they listened and we did it. Uh-huh. And like the, they, the, the whole damn resort the area was, it was lit up. And then you could hear everybody, Born in the U.S. I don't know if that, now that I think about it, it might not have been a good idea to do that in Mexico. That might have been the reason why <laughs> they turned it working there. It's like, that, the fuck is that? That might have been the reason why they turned it off. But <laughs> it was one of those nights, and you've been there where you, um, you've thrown a situation. It's something that probably never have. You make an adjustment to it, and we adapted, and I could not wait to see you so I could curse you out about running the light. Okay. And you're such a gentleman about it. You're not even upset about it anymore. Well, I mean, like I'm, I'm mortified that uh, that you were that you were upset with me. Um, I, I no, I wasn't upset. Okay. A lot of I'm, this is my honest truth. I wasn't upset, and there's a lot of comics was talking shit, <laughs> right? Comedians always talk shit. Sure. And they was like, God damn, what the fuck is he doing? This isn't jackass, because you know they always go back to your past. And some people were saying some some disrespectful shit, right? Oh, yeah. And I said, let me explain something. We're lucky enough as comics if we can get to the point where there was a uh, a time period where we ruled everywhere where we ruled on TV where we ruled on film and sometimes careers not to say your career has faltered or anything but it's hard to be super hot for a very long time right and I'm, I made a point to let everybody know this motherfucker has done shit that you dream you would do and still has the pa- um the passion <clears throat> to still Want to go out and still do the shit. So yeah. when they was talking shit, I fucking was talking shit back. Well, good, man. I I, I appreciate that. I thought it was shed a tear, but I guess <laughs> yeah, it didn't get, it didn't get there. You know, I'm dying to know how long I really my story really was. You know, It was 35 like, minutes. Wait a minute. <laughs> it was, wait a minute. No, that was 35 minutes. It was 35 minutes on stage. But then you had told me a 10-minute story before you did your 35-minute story. And the story you told me was the craziest story I've ever... And I even made a joke about it. You was talking about... You got so many of these stories. Jumping off a plane, out of a plane, naked. Yeah. Jerking off. Yeah. That part, to me, was some normal Steve shit, right? But this is when I realized the focus and the dedication you have as an artist... Yeah. Not just jump out of plane naked, not just jerk off, but this is the part you came. Yeah, I blew a load now, simultaneously as I fell out of the plane. I, 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 I for me, I, I, I try to put myself in people's uh, shoes or mm-hmm. their experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And even when I close my eyes thinking about jumping off a plane, which would probably be enough for me, I cannot imagine blowing a load. Out right. the plane with the guy strapped to your back. I was getting ready to say tandem too, so he was he caught. Never mind, what did he say? He caught it coming down. Oh my god! And you, well, this guy, of course, isn't a friend of yours. Right? I mean, no, he, he was. Uh, they I got close him. really quickly. Yeah, yeah. We, that was. Just yep. Sure. Oh yeah. We we became close. Well, hey man, it sounds that like that sounds a, like pay per view. That's more than just film. <laughs> Well, that that's my uh, my art. That's my show. That's right. Everybody has a different didn't art. Show you the footage. I respect that. Yeah. He couldn't wait to show. I knew he was excited about showing the footage. It, yeah. It sounds like I owe you an apology, man. And and uh, you know. To, I don't think you owe me an apology. I think you owe the guy that was behind you an apology. <laughs> he loved it. Oh, no, I'm not talking about the skydiving. Oh. Uh, I'd say like I'm talking about the running the light business. That's no, no. Cool. I'm looking for it. What I'm doing now is I'm stalking your calendar. Okay. And I know that you uh, <laughs> pull up on a laugh factory. 
Yeah, at times, I just can't wait to be there. And then, like, right. you're going after Steve. I was like, no, no, no. I'm going on next. And I'm going to do that. If I'm going to do it so bad, I'm going to lie and say, I jumped out of plane naked and jerked off <laughs> until I came on somebody. So you can't do it. Yeah. I'm I'm evil, bro. There All you right, go. man. He'll get well, you back. He'll yeah. have to yell at you. He'll get his revenge. Yeah. I'll get it. Well, well, I dig that. And uh, you, you were... Did you do uh, like a, a full stand-up set like in their little arena there? Yeah. Yeah. Did you just disrespect me? Uh, no. You said I, little arena. It was a big arena. Uh, it was a weird setup for an arena. No I matter. know. It was big. You're right. It, it didn't. It was tall ceilings. Yeah. It was distance. The stage was way too fucking big. Yeah. You had to damn it catch an Uber from backstage <laughs> to the microphone. I wasn't going for that because I didn't want to be the guy that walks and then I got to keep waving. So I told him, take the mic off the mic stand. I want it from backstage. Mm. That way I can uh, connect with the audience. I don't have to do that 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 awkward walk like waving right. and shit. But you're right. It was um. But it looked good for you because when I first walked in there, I just saw your picture blasted. I, I don't know how. You, how the set went for you, but it was very interesting setup. It was it was an awkward show for me, and and I kind of attributed that to the fact that that the audience was comprised of people who were just there for the festival. It wasn't right. like my people. Right. So now I'm showing them videos of me blowing a load. I'm falling out of the airplane, right. and it's not necessarily like my core target audience oh, so watching it. <laughs> not the cum catchers. It's not the cum catchers right. that you grew to love. Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. So wait a minute. You actually showed the video yeah, and then told me the story the next day like the video wasn't enough. <laughs> You're like, no, Donna, I'm telling you guys. But you did. I, I heard people have been saying good things about it. Oh, well, thanks, yeah. man. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love it, dude. I've been doing this, this stand-up in the comedy club circuit for, like, 11 years. Kind of developed that craft and then brought all my worlds together. So. I wanted to ask you this question because I know how it is um, in the world of comedy where we get noticed by a certain genre, a certain thing that we do, right? And then all of a sudden we flip and want to do something else. Right. So for you, was it a when for you to go from your world to now? I want to do stand up. How did other comics take that, or they fucking hated you? Told you. Yeah, there were some comics that were totally not down with me, um, and that bothered me. Like a lot of things bothered me, but you know when things bother you, the best thing to do is talk about it. And if you haven't heard that therapy is good for you to do if you don't believe it let me tell you it's good to do therapy and i got into it and it was so easy because i went to betterhelp.com and i found myself a totally awesome therapist because they have everything that you want to focus on all of your priorities they just cater the perfect therapist to you and man, I just had my second session with my therapist, Karen, and um, she's super cool, dude. And when I get done talking to her, I felt way better about a bunch of different things. So yeah, man, go to betterhelp.com, but put slash Stevo. Betterhelp.com slash Stevo, and you get 10% off your first month. Plus, it's so unbelievably affordable compared to if you go into somebody's office, and you don't even have to... Go into anybody's office. Do it on a video conference. So easy, so helpful, and you can get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash Steve-O. It's helping me, and it's going to help you, too. Now, let's talk about comics being jerks. Um, They weren't supportive, were they? Some weren't supportive. Right. Um, and... Uh, over here, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse because you come into stand-up with a built-in audience. People know who you are, uh, and so you're able to sell tickets whether you're good or not. You, you know, know, it's so interesting that you said that because R.I.P. late Charlie Murphy, yeah. similar situation where he got his fame from the show. Right. Right, but the show wasn't giving him the fortune. Right. Right, so I created a I'm Rich Bitch tour, and I <clears throat> had to force Charlie to go to open mic for the first time. Mm, right. And people were really, really critical of him. First off, 
you're the older brother of one of the best guys to ever do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's a challenge because people can't wait to try to compare you. But, like, and even in your case, the craziest thing is, like, you're selling out across the country pretty much as an open micer. Right. And everything that you learn about it, you learn at a higher level than someone doing a dive bar, someone doing an open mic. Right. It's like you come in with the fanfare, so I know that had to be tough. Yeah, I mean, it was tough, and I wasn't selling out. You know, like, when I first started touring as a stand-up, um, you know, Jackass 3D was in fucking theaters, you know? As if we needed any way, other way, to get Jackass in your face. Right. 3D. Like, all this crazy <laughs> yeah. shit, like... Not, it's not enough. Yeah, right. you got to feel right it here. No, We want you to be like duck a dick yeah. in the theater. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But, but even with the movie like being a big success and still in theaters, um, I wasn't selling out comedy clubs. People people had doubts about whether they're going to go to a comedy club to see Steve-O. And for the, for the first number of years, I, I let it be like a mix of like circus tricks and silly stunts and stand up and and I based it all on like crazy stories and shit. I mean, I don't know. I had my own approach to it and it worked, but but yeah, like I jumped the line. I jumped you the did. line and 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 motherfuckers had every right to to resent me for that. But I think what what happened. But you know what? I don't fucking agree with that, bro. I like I say in the case <clears throat> Charlie Murphy, Jeremy Piven is another one. Perfect right. example. You don't you never know what a person's passion was. Right. You never know if there's something they want to do, all of a sudden, so what, that you found a different lane that right. gave you more fame, more fortune than starting from scratch. So I never understood right. why comedians feel like there's a certain trajectory or there's a certain timeline to do it. If a motherfucker catch it, he catch it. If he good, he's fucking good. You, you yeah. know, I, I, I got this thing, like uh, one guy who identified himself as not being supportive of me getting into stand-up was Mark Marin. You know, he wasn't. Yeah. And he, and he was candid about that. But, you know, like, like, bless his heart. And I respect his honesty. He said, hey, you know, I consider myself a purist. And the idea of you coming into stand up is like kind of rubs me the wrong way. You know, but and, what, what, I mean, I think people care about shit they don't need to care about. Right. right but Mark well, Maron, I love the guy. He rubs people the wrong way, too. So right. it was a good, not the way you would rub people. That's all. Right. Right. You rub people the you illegal. You rub yourself on people. Illegal way. Right. But I developed from that uh, a, a philosophy about life that there are essentially two types of people in the world. There are the Mark Marons. And there are the Joe Rogans, right. and and I would classify the Mark Merrigan, the Mark Marin mentality as one of scarcity, where where he's actually like if 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 Steve-O comes in and stand up and and is successful, then there's less for him, you know. Like I pose a threat. But but that's another, I, and I thought that was just in the black comedy circuit, or whatever. But everybody acts like it's only one job. Right. It's more than one job. Understood. It's a lane forever. It's the reason why you go to comedy club. You got lesbian night. You got uh, uh, black night. You got it's 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 enough room for everybody. I never understood why people think right. that this is the only job that there's you can get. Not enough to go around. Right. right. I mean, and then there's Joe Rogan. He's got this attitude of abundance, man. He says, "Man, I wish my fucking mailman would get into stand up because the guy's funny. Like, if you're funny, then fucking do I it." I feel the same way about, and I've, I've I've um I've been doing it for a long time. And I mentor people, and I and people think I'm crazy because I'll um, like if you if anybody if, I, if I'm around people I was like some people you know got it or may have it, and I'm like you should try it once. They were like no I'm not no comedian, and I tell them I was like not to try it, to make it your job, but just to try it, just to try it, right? Because you never know what's gonna happen for you, and then you don't want to go your whole life. Watching all these people go ahead of you, you're like, yo, I should have took a shot at it. Right. You know, it's interesting because Paul here is, he's my producer, my editor, and, uh, you know, I bring him on tour with all the AV shit because my show is multimedia. Right. And one day I just said, hey, yo, Paul, dude, I threw him on stage. I said, fucking put together five minutes and get on stage. Did you do it? Yeah. yeah. And now he opens every show. Did you, and he you came back. He runs the light. <laughs> he runs the light. I run the light every time. He's like, do five. I'm up there for like 12 minutes every oh, time. Oh, God. But do you look him in his face and say, fuck your light? That's the impression that I got. They don't even have a light, luckily. But, but I, uh, I, man, I love stories like that. I come, I've had people come up to me that like I'll look at a person in their eyes, right? And if you got some people you want to encourage to do it 
and their eyes are talking shit. Mm. You know, their eyes are saying maybe uh, one day or well, I need to write. Then you got the people that's passionate about it. And if I could look you in your face and I could tell that you really want to go on, I'm going to put you on. I was just in Houston, Texas, doing the improv. And you know uh, Willie 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 D from uh, Ghetto Boys. Yeah, okay. Willie D, uh, Bushwick Bill, and Scarface. So Willie D came to my show, and he told me he said, "Yo, D, um, a good friend of mine, known him since I was t- 15 years old. Um, he just buried his his mother today. A lot of his family's in town. I told him to come out because I wanted them to um, just to try to break it up a little bit, just so I could give them a good feel good." And he was like, and my buddy, he used to do comedy like 20 years ago, whatever, right? And I was like, cool. So he wanted me to give the family just like, hey, to uh, Rodney God, whatever the family, I can't remember the name. But he said he wanted me to give them a shout out. Now in the green room, I told him, I said, how about I bring your boy on stage, right? And I thought, I, I did that as, I was sincere. But at the same time, I was like, watch the answer gonna come back. Like, no, I'm not really here for that. And I was like, what he do? He said, he'll fucking do it. And I um, uh, and I told the MC, I said, don't bullshit. Give him an honest intro. Tell him that, you know, I'm a person that I'll give somebody an opportunity. Not the, the tragedy, how tragic the day was, but just honest. Like, this guy, Donald, wanted him to come up here. Yeah. Says, well, sure. And a dude went up there. And um, he was—he reminded me of you. He ran a fucking light. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yo, motherfucker. Now, he didn't run. <laughs> he didn't run the light, but he went up there. He made a connection with the audience. <clears throat> His family had a moment where they could forget—not forget, but at least have a good time. Mm-hmm. We we even went out because my thing after shows, I like to get private karaoke rooms and just do karaoke, and I invited the family out, and they told my friends that it was like, just a blessing to be able to, it was very tragic weekend for them, but to be able to find some happiness somewhere, or whatever, and I think those are the times that I really, really appreciate what I do as a stand-up, when, it's, when it affects somebody like that. That's dope. What, sure. So were you saying Charlie Murphy was reluctant to do stand-up, but you had to kind of push him to do it? No, I didn't push him, I bullied the motherfucker. <laughs> oh yeah. Everything you think about Charlie Murphy as far as far as being a tough guy and everything, yeah, it's all true. But I used to always talk shit. He always talked shit. He always talked shit, and he's always this bad motherfucker, right? Mm-hmm. And I found something that got under his skin, right? I said, "Yeah, you a bad motherfucker," until I put a goddamn microphone in front of your face, and then you turn into a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't having that shit. Yeah. So again, I, we had an idea. Like we were doing a show. We weren't making a lot of money. People don't understand cable TV. They think just because you're on TV, every every night you make a lot of money. Yeah. But usually it takes some years before you get the sure. the fair contract. So we had a level of popularity, but our pockets wasn't right. You weren't make, rich, biatch. No, I wasn't rich, bitch. Right. Not at all. And that was a horrible impression of me. <laughs> I just want to let you know. I don't want you to think, like, did I nail it? I, I don't want you to be like, yo. I was not trying to do like your vocal cadence. Yo, you made it seem like, yo, I could have been the rich bitch guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, again, Charlie never did stand up, and I used to bully him all the time. I wanted to tour to be dope. So, uh, Bill Burr, I've told this story a lot of podcasts. Bill Burr, Bill Burr was probably, um, doing at that time B rooms and it's not to be an insult insulting but it's just where his career was but anybody that saw Bill Burr his reputation everybody knew he was about to blow up mm-hmm. it was just a matter of time but I didn't want the show just to be all I said I needed 10 or 15 minutes out of Charlie he could have went up there and just wave he had so much love that people were quoting everything he said Charlie Murphy what did that so we could fucking trick him with five minutes of that mm-hmm. But I was like, I still want the show to be strong. I was headlining. So I said, let's add Bill Burr to it. So you got the spectacle of Charlie Murphy. You got the experience and the fucking uh, beast on stage from Bill Burr and myself. And we have a solid show. So the first time I took him on stage, he didn't really do that well. But it's hard to gauge because, again, like yourself, people loved him. Yeah. You know, people loved him. But then after a while, like, after a while, he 
he, he, his timing got better. He became a better storyteller. And the thing that I respect about Charlie is that he never let anybody tell him who he should be or how he should perform. Because people wanted him like, well, if you pick up your pace, like your brother would, he was like, I'm not my brother. I'm me. He found his lane and he committed to it. And to this day, people regard him as one of the best storytellers to ever, ever do it. And I've like being around Charlie, being around Eddie, like I've been in their their uh private family space. And you could tell just by being around them that when they were growing up that Charlie was the funniest one in the family. Mm. You could tell. Now I'm not saying as a performer, but right. just naturally tell a story. You know when you're around people and your family, everybody knows this story, but you only want to hear it from one person. Sure. And he was a guy like this. You could be like, Eddie, tell us. I'm sure everybody was like, Charlie, tell that story. Uh -huh. You know. Charlie would just hold court. I mean, <clears throat> I, I remember when I started doing it. Like he he was everywhere. I mean, when we're yeah. on this circuit, like we're all chasing each other around. We're we're running a train on these clubs. First off, how <laughs> do you fucking get a dog? You flew you flew him back private? No, no, no. Um, we were shooting this TV show down in Peru, and the production did all the, 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 the jumping through hoops. Oh, they did it for and you. And Paul was there. He was the, the in charge of the this whole digital, you know, production side of it. Yeah, right. that's how we met. Oh yeah. And 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 why I knew he was gonna do great doing stand-up yeah wow get ready for this to really be pretty shocking and impressive and you know what else is shocking and impressive the way that i've been killing it in the merch game dude and you know what the holiday rush is over but dude it's not time to start slacking dude i'm definitely not and you know how we do our merch with ship station it's like one interface which brings together all of your different uh, carriers, like the post office, UPS, FedEx, put it all into one spot. And even if you're selling on Amazon, on your own website, Etsy, you name it, whatever you're selling with and however you're shipping it, all in one easy interface with the lowest rates that you could get, man. They're normally reserved for like Fortune 500. Fortune 500 companies, but you can have them, man. And on top of that, you can have your e-commerce going and humming and making it so easy with ShipStation and for 60 days, not even pay for ShipStation because I'm going to give you a free trial. So you go to ShipStation.com. You use the promo code Stevo, and to do that, when you get to ShipStation.com, you click the microphone in the top right corner, and dude, you get 60 days free trial. And no matter how big or small your business is, this will do it. My business got pretty big. We still use ShipStation. Loving it, man. So become a baller. Get your e-commerce game going. Don't be a slacker, and use ShipStation to ship all... Your orders, man. Take it from me, dude. It's the way to succeed. Now, let's talk about Paul succeeding at stand-up. It's because on the last night of that trip in Pritchett, well, <laughs> on the last night we threw like a party, like a rap party, and I wandered up to the roof of the four-story building we were at and fell off of it. You he landed on fucking concrete rubble, and it was all fenced in, so nobody. the only way you could see his ass is if you were on the roof. And nobody thinks to go on the roof, so it's the fucking next day. And then and all day, they're lo looking for Paul. They don't find Yo, him. he's still on the side. No, shut he's, the fuck up. I was laying there all day till like 4 p.m. they found me. Both of his lungs punctured. Yeah. But only one of his lungs collapsed. But that's when you two got close. <laughs> well, I can't. Yo, you need a story like that for Dude, you. Dude, it was. Like this. It you was. fucking healthy, lung-having-ass motherfucker. <laughs> fuck you. When the last time you almost killed yourself, bitch? Right. Get out of here. No, I remember I told you, after I healed and came back, I told you, like, I was embarrassed about it, you know? And you're like, what? You're like, that's dope, you know? Because yeah, like, to you, thing. something like that happening has always yeah. been good for you, you know? Did you, at so, any point, did you say... Did anybody get that? <laughs> yeah. You can't Dude, just We looked up. for footage. There's no no street camera, nothing caught it. Damn. Unfortunately. But yeah, so, but. so his his first five minute set was fire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of easy that way that I'm just telling this gnarly story about almost dying. And it's kind of related to Steve. Right. So it kind of, oh, yeah. it, it does make it a little easy for me. But man, stand up is like, 
because I'm not necessarily pursuing being a stand-up comedian, <laughs> but I would recommend it to everybody because it's scary as fuck. But like, you go out there, you do it, and like, even if you do bad, you're not hurt. Like, you're fine. You, you know, know like I would, it's healthy. I would believe. I would say that it could probably do in regard to mental health and therapy. I think that there's probably something where you can have a class to help people mm-hmm. with mental issues just by maybe something where you can combat your fears, being in front of people yeah. or tell your truth. I think it's like, because once you, once you do it, it's, it's, it could, it, you can either get closer to it or further away from it. It could be so scary to say, fuck that, but so challenging that you want to do it again. Yeah. I, I, I wish everybody sometime in their life, try just, just five yeah. minutes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, and you know what it would stop to? It would stop a lot of people from being hecklers. For oh my sure. God. If For you're sure. a heckler, okay, because that's how most comedy clubs get hecklers to shut up. And that was the case with me. I started as a heckler. Is that, <laughs> that's oh how man, you started. That's I, amazing. Yeah, I started as a heckler. Uh-huh. And I was the cockiest heckler out of Washington, D.C. I used to go there with people I used to work with when I had a regular job. And I used to go there and fuck with the hecklers. I mean, fuck with the, uh, the comedians. And I would go every week. And people started coming. They was like, yo, is that asshole guy going to be here today? Like, they wanted to know if that I was part of the heckler. show they wanted to see? And I got so cocky with being an asshole heckler. I think after like five weeks, I went to the club owner, and I tried to get a door deal. <laughs> As a heckler. Uh-huh. As a fucking heckler. I said, listen, I've increased this business by 30%. I've done the numbers. I need to get my money. They looked at me like, if you don't get the fuck out of my face. That's amazing. And Damn. they dared me to go on stage, and 27 years later, it's like, I never looked back. Yeah. Damn. Man. Yeah, dude, I fucking hate hecklers, dude. I, I got into therapy over that shit. Where man. the fuck did your dog just go? It feel like she had a date or something. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. just rolled out and came back like, well, I've done my dirt in the street. What do you want to talk about? Right. I, I just release her into the neighborhood, man. Even though this isn't my our neighborhood. She's just fucking, go? does her own thing, man. She, 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 she's going to fuck off and go check out your neighborhood. Look, she's, she's like, these motherfuckers back. talking about me again. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, watch this. Um, t- So, before the Chappelle show, I mean, <coughs> that, that, when did the Chappelle show come out? That was... I think 2000, around 2003, 2004, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right. And and uh, so, so you were deep in stand-up by that point. I think I was probably, at that time, probably like four years into it. Okay. Yeah. But I, my four years was like dog years. It felt like it was multiplied by, like, I came out. Like, something similar to you, like, the first experience I ever had on stage, it was a good one. I got to stand ovation. Mm. Wow. And I was going through the... Uh, ranks really really fast in washington dc i think i was only doing like six or seven months before i decided that it was nothing else that i could do in dc not to be insulting to that comedy sure. scene but i just felt like if i stayed there too much longer i was gonna be one of those like hometown heroes you know the guy that's like everybody know he does all the bowling alley gigs and stuff mm-hmm. i was wanted to right. start at the bottom of the um of the next level and i was getting a certain level of success the crazy thing was, when I first started, when I moved to New York, I was lucky enough to get an agent probably like a year into it, and I started booking a lot of dramatic stuff. Like the first thing I booked was a law episode of Law and Order, which every actor in New York, they say you're not an actor in New York if you hadn't been on Law and Order. You know, they had like three different shows. Everybody did that. That was pretty much everybody's introduction to acting. Um, I was doing a lot of dramatic stuff. It wasn't until... Chappelle show, people thought that I was a dramatic actor. They wow. was like, yo, now he's trying to be funny. I was like, no, I've always been funny. <laughs> yeah. And that was the first platform that showcased me as a uh as on 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 the comedy side of it. Right. <clears throat> and uh so, so you're you got like like you described you had to pay your dues, you you're not getting paid a whole lot of money from Comedy Central. But it's getting renewed, and and then all of a sudden the numbers are getting crazy. Like the famously, Chappelle walks away from fifty million bucks. Right. Like by that point, it's not chump change anymore. No, that was his it. money. He walked away from it, not me, motherfucker. <laughs> right, right, right. You look, right. you look at me like we both walked away. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like, Dave, you ready to hold hands? I'd have been like, I'm Dave. I'm about to cheat on you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work. I don't think I could have done it. Right. You know, I don't think I could have done it. But we was, um, it was just bubbling. And the best thing for me was that people that saw me doing different projects, like Def Jam, BET, it was scattered, premium blend. But this was the first platform where, like, I was, I mean, like, it was just pop culture. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's one thing to be on <clears throat> a lot of shows mixed up, but it's one thing to be on one show that everybody's tuning into. Right. It was before DVR. This was before, like, oh, I'm going to stream it later. It was like, right. motherfucker, I got to watch it at 10 o'clock on Wednesday because I want to be able to quote everything from the show the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So although I think that, of course, I believe that my career would have, it would have did its thing, but that did really, like, get people like, oh, shit. Like, who is this guy? And I had a ball doing it. Yeah. Dude, I bet. It looked fun. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I mean, I feel like I, I relate to it a little bit because with Jackass, Jackass was was real big. And, uh, you know, when it was a TV show. But little kids were showing up in hospitals fucking trying to do their own Jackass <laughs> shit. I know. And that's... And then did, did you ever feel... I know it's kind of tough because did you ever feel like you guys were responsible for that? Or were you thinking like, you should, I'm not here to be your parent. I'm not here to tell you to do this. Right. Did, did you ever? I mean, my feeling was that I'm an attention whore and I'm not trying to share the spotlight. So I'm not encouraging anybody to do that. You know, I think uh, Darwin would have been pretty okay with it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, whatever, right. fuck them kids. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, if you're like, you know, and, and my other little, you know, cocky thing I would say is that it's not Tony Hawk's fault every time a kid falls off a skateboard, you know? Right. Like, True. I'm a fucking professional dude doing this shit. Um, but but the point was that when when those kids were, were getting hospitalized, copying our stunts, um, MTV got real scared of the liability of it all, and they started cracking down on us and giving us all these rules, and we're not allowed to do that. While so we when did the disclaimer come in? Because I know was the that at the beginning. Was from the beginning. Oh yeah. But 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 it was when they started <coughs> telling us what we could and couldn't do, and we filmed stuff, but they wouldn't show it. Knox, oh, Knox funny that Comedy Central would tell <laughs> motherfuckers what they can't do. Right. You know, I know I'm all over the place, but it's funny that you say that. And I've had, uh, worked with Comedy Central, but one of the biggest sketches we did on Chappelle's show was uh, the Rick James sketch. Sure. Right. I used to do the warm-ups and the wraparounds, and I'm, I and I, I we would introduce these sketches, but this one particular sketch, I never felt like the room just was shattered. Right. Comedy Central hated the sketch. Their notes were. The sketch is too long because the first time that anybody, our show was a half hour. Mm-hmm. It's the first time that one sketch pretty much took the whole show. They said it was too long. And they also said that they didn't think Charlie Murphy was funny. Huh. Cut to Charlie Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just, it just did like, it's just, I guess I'm saying that it's like a lot of times people don't know the inside and what you have to go through as an artist to get your vision out there the way you want it to be seen and not just the way the executives want to be seen. Right, for sure. And and interestingly, our jackass director now lives in Rick James's old house. In in LA or? In Laurel Canyon. I know he'd be finding bags of cocaine and shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's like right. a treasure hunt and shit. Like, Your kids are playing hide and seek. You're yeah, just like... Looking for the Rick James bitch. Right. But, but there was nobody. Like, for me, and I'm a huge fan of Dave as a performer, friend, and everything. For him to be able to embody the character of Rick James, and I know for the most part, when you connect with a character, it's because, first thing, like, they look like the person. He didn't look shit like Rick James, but just fucking nailed that shit, man. Yeah. And I was going through some old YouTube videos the other day, and I saw an old uh, video of Rick James and Tina Marie singing a classic of Fire and Desire. It was a duet, right? And as a kid growing up, it was one of my favorite songs, and it only took me four minutes to listen to it. I've never seen anybody do a song for like 30 minutes. Wow. Like, it just kept on the performance, the interaction and then 
when I saw Rick James like that, and then I saw with Dave, I was like, he really embodied that character and all that shit. Yeah. Same with Prince. He doesn't look like Prince at right. all. But like, yeah, he just embodies I the I remember Dave, vibe. Oh, Dave asked Prince if he wanted to be in it. And he said, you're crazy. Hmm. You know, that's Prince where you're crazy. Mm. But yeah. do it. But he was a fan of, um, Dave and he was a fan of the show. How crazy would that have been if Prince would have did a guest spot? Just yeah. the fact that knowing that Prince played basketball in heels. Yeah. Right. But the crazy thing about that, Charlie Murphy had thousands of stories like that. And that's how that sketch was born. It was like just table talk doing it at lunch, Charlie just telling stories. And then I was like, yo, man, we should just basically fucking let Charlie talk. And then we write the sketch, sketch after. Yeah. So was dope. was there another story of his that you were like, we should do that one too, and you just never were able to do it? Uh, no, the ones that we should have done, um, I'm not privy to talk about okay. that. Okay, okay. <laughs> Could have never done I just, it. No, 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 I'll just take that to my grave. Yeah, there you go. It did, like, if I'm drinking with some people, right in my mouth, but I'll just keep those to myself. Okay, okay. But I'll just say, man, Charlie had some great adventures. Yeah, I believe dude, it. Yeah, for sure. So, so when you showed up in Cancun on that that credit to this fucking huge like thirty foot video wall, this like stadium fucking arena stage, and then that these half ass little sofas in front of it all, like uh, like you were on the phone with Chappelle, huh? Like when that like, day, uh, yeah, you were like walking around on the stage. I think you had a show like uh, like uh, yeah, before mine maybe in the same. same I room. think I. Yeah, I did. I came in before you. I was just telling them how crazy this. But I like, I really before I perform, I look at my situation right, and I notice the same things that you notice. It wasn't a space for comedy. Right. Too far away, too much. So I didn't even perform on the stage. I went out in the audience. Wow. I I I went out in the audience. I was like, there's no way I'm gonna make a connection with this audience with me being on this big-ass goddamn runway stage. Looked like some shit that supposed to be a fashion week in Italy or some shit like that. And I said, um, I need to be closer to the people. So I got off stage, and I was within two to three feet of the audience, and, um, and I made my way through the audience. And I know that they appreciate that performance more than me just being on stage. It didn't feel comfortable. Mm. Wow, okay. I had to improvise. I've, I've been in situations like that before, and I was like, you, you know, you... Sometimes you gotta make some choices that uh, production might not agree with because you got the guy that's working a camera like I'm getting paid to follow you on stage, not in the fucking audience. But right. I'm a person that always want to give to my audience first, and I made it work. Yeah, yeah, dude. And you've probably done you've done a lot of like stadiums and arenas opening for Chappelle and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So electric, man. I mean, I appreciate. Every space that I work, from doing an open mic with 30 people to performing for upwards of 24, 25,000 people. But it feels like all the work that you put in, in those dive bars, in those spots where the jokes didn't work, where you were limited, where something happened, you were tested, it feels like all of that is for those stages. Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. I used to get like really nervous going doing the um, arena stuff but then I just I don't know something about the last time we did MGM Grand I felt like a fucking you a big UFC guy but it felt like I was going into the octagon it was like no way for me not to let that energy go through me I remember one of the first times I bit did one of those big arenas it was with Dave and it was with uh, Joe and you get your adrenaline pumping but then there's another level when Joe Rogan does your intro. Yeah. <laughs> you don't feel like, yo, I'm like, I'm not gonna go tell Joe's, I'm about to go try to beat the shit out of somebody. <laughs> I'm like Mr. Elk Meat himself. Right. You know what I mean? Mr. Mr. Elk Meat fucking jalapenos blood dripping from his elk heart himself. Uh-huh. It's almost like he's putting the orders up there for you to with flock of fee or flea or whatever shit, but it was like, and the power I'm like, oh, <laughs> no goddamn days off. I'm forced to rip this audience. But man, when I go in, in those venues, especially when I work with Dave and they do the intro, and they'll say, uh, 
Our comic coming up tonight. They'll say a couple of things. You've seen them on HBO's The Wire. Sure. And I might get a couple of chuckles. You've seen them in Spider-Man 2. It might be a couple of people to remember that. But, man, it never fails, man. Just a tribute to, like, what we did to pop culture. But when they say, but you fell in love with him as Ashy Larry. And <laughs> the place goes bananas. And, it's, and it feels like you're in one of those situations where you got to stand up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like this. I can't let these people down. It's one thing to get, you'll get, and Chris Rock said it, yeah, being famous will get you your first minute and a half. Yeah. You know. For it's sure. like, oh, my God, remember for so-and-so. But then after that, you got to bring it. So for it sure. feels good knowing that people appreciate you. Right. But at the same time, you still got to put it Right. Up. That was my first experience. The first time I ever tried stand-up, I had this guy. It was 2006. This, this guy uh, asked me to come do a stunt at the comedy club at the Laugh Factory. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, man. I'll do that. And I showed up, and I just thought, man, there's no crazier stunt than if I try stand-up. Right. I'm trying to think of, like, a joke, you know. And I'm like, fuck, man, what am I going to do? And I, 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 so I get on stage, and, and they're, they're like, Steve-O. You know, the crowd's fucking excited to see me. I'm like, damn, they're they're rooting for me, man. They're they're excited to see me. They're but when they root for time. you, people root for you to fuck yourself up too. Right. Well, it's that, like that, going to NASCAR. Your... They want to see the race, but can right. we kids get two cars to crash? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I get on stage and I go, hey everybody, I'm in the mood for a blowjob. Does anybody want one? Right. And like they laugh, you know. And then and I felt really good, man. I fucking got the fuck off the stage, man. I was no, terrible. I think I remember you working at not at that time, but you acknowledged. Giving somebody a blowjob. Oh, okay. Okay, no, no. It, it, what it was was... It was something on it. I mean, it was I, a it joke was, that it, I could it, never get close to. It, it was uh, <laughs> what, 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 what it was was... As you're learning, uh, you can have it. Uh, it was um, a transgender individual uh -huh. who looked a lot like a really attractive woman, uh -huh. but uh, maybe had a penis right. and definitely sucked mine. Okay, I knew it somewhere. I knew a penis got sucked. Not to be confused yeah, with yeah. the jerk-off joints, but I knew somebody got their dick sucked. I hope I didn't and that's, trip and that's special. Any, I hope I didn't trip over any rules on that one. No, but the funny <laughs> thing about it, look look how rumors start, right? You had your version, then yeah. I had my version, and 10 years from now, they go like, yeah, Steve, remember that time you took it, took it in the ass on stage? <laughs> yeah. It was like, no, he gave me a blowjob. I gave her a blowjob. She well, yeah, fucking but then is there all there was this one time I did kiss my buddy on the deck, my buddy yeah. party. But that's boy. white. But you know, that's. I mean, I. That's white boy fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like y'all yeah. can do that shit and be friends the right. next day. Black people do that. It's gonna be a murder the next day. <laughs> right. You know, well, it's like this. Like I don't give. I don't trust you saying you can keep a secret. Bow. <laughs> <laughs> no witnesses. Yeah, I know how we can just deal with this shit. Yeah. <clears throat> man, that's funny. Damn, man. So, so. Uh, Tell me about your podcast, man. We're getting ready to well, do that. Well, uh, podcast is a Donna Rollins show. I started it probably two years ago. Okay. And then I was, I had always kind of thought about being in the podcast world, but then I was like, oh, that means you got to get guests. Ah, oh, dude's the word. Yo, I'm like, I don't want to call nobody. You know right. what I mean? Like, I, don't, I was sure. like, and I was going through, if I were doing it, I was like, well, if I do a podcast, I was like, the only guest I'm going to have on the podcast is me. Right. Okay. Like, like Bill Burr's Monday. Yeah, Bill Burr. I, I was like, maybe I'll do it like that. But then I kind of was like, everybody's doing a podcast. I want to be different. And I remember the first time I did um, Rogan's show, and I was talking to him about you know me being. I think the first time I did was like three years ago, and I got a young son. I think my son was like two or three at the time, and I was telling him as much as I do love being on the road, it's like I wanted to spend more time with my son. Yeah. But I'm I'm a comedian that, you know, I don't really. I don't have to get TV money. I don't have to get movie money. I just need to get money. So if I can find my money in the road, I'm not tripping off of a, being a serious regular as long as I can make a fair living that way. So I was happy to be on the road. But then it was taken away from my time with my son. And I was telling Joe, I said, I want to, um, I said, I need to come off the road. I said, but I don't make any money in Hollywood. I said, I got to reintroduce myself to Hollywood. I need to be able to make money in Hollywood. And he was like, oh, just start a podcast. Right. And I'm saying to myself, oh, this was me being stupid. I was like, you ain't no money in podcasts. And I forgot that I'm 
<laughs> You're talking scared at him. Mr. Daddy Warbucks, a yeah. podcast, right? And I didn't, I was like, you know, money podcast. And then I said, because I had YouTube followers some years ago, and I had this brand manager or whatever that we had a little issue, and he took down all my pages. I had like 35,000 subscribers on YouTube. I'm like, man, I got to start by getting one person at a time. I got to ask people to come on the show and everything. And the birth of my podcast was on Joe Rogan's show. He's like, it's simple, Donnell. He just makes everything seem so calm. He was like, right. I was like, how am I going to get it out there? He was like, you do the podcast. I'll tweet about it. But like, I'll put it on my social media. Then you'll do the rounds with the other people next to you know. It'll be right. popping. Mm-hmm. And and he was, to a certain extent, he was right. But then right when I was starting to get my groove, the uh, pandemic hit. Pandemic hit. And it changed everything. That was the only thing that placed, well, one of the best platforms for me to showcase whatever you consider my comedic skill set is and I just kept doing it kept doing it it was going along and then once uh, things started opening back up I started hitting the road I didn't commit to it as I did at the beginning because I'm like fucked and then I gotta go get the money I was supposed to get sure but then I also fell in love with it because it's a perfect platform to be your own director yeah. your own producer your own EP nobody can fucking tell you what to do mm-hmm. And it's, I think for comics, it's the place for you to have your most honest voice. And I'm, I, I'm fall, I fall in love with it. First time I ever tried to do it, I was, I was like, I was like, I don't need nobody. First time I tried it. Hmm. So I got this dude, I'm like, yeah, we're gonna do my podcast. It's about to be on, right? And I, it's tough to just talk to yourself. You know, people like Bill Burr and those guys that can do yeah. it, like that's a different level. For sure. Right, and I was doing my podcast I got 10 minutes into my first podcast, and I quit. <laughs> I was like this. I said, man, fuck this. I ain't doing this punk-ass podcast shit, right? So my producer slash friend, he was like, what are you doing? I was like, I quit. <laughs> he said, you can't just quit your podcast. I said, okay, whose podcast is it? He said, it's yours. I said, well, I quit my shit, <laughs> and you're fired for <laughs> telling me when I can't fucking quit. And I did it that once. Then I did another, made another attempt of it in my car. And then Kate Quigley, good friend of mine, she was in big into the podcast joint. And she was like, you got to do it. You got to do it. Just do it. You got to do it. So she found me a producer. First couple of episodes we ever did. Well, and I'm forever grateful to her, forever grateful to Joe Rogan, forever grateful to David Deary, Julius. Everybody helped me. But she pushed me into it. And when I first started, I could have, went and tried to make it a big production, get the best studio, the best lighting. But I was like, if I do that, I, I, I won't give people opportunity to grow with me. I said, let's do it as bootleg mm-hmm. as possible so people can expect mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like people's like, and they was critical of me at the beginning, but I was like, this is how I learned. You know, cause the podcast people are, a lot of them are assholes. <laughs> You know, you talk about want to be community day, so critical to everything. It was like, like you can't make these motherfucker happy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, dude, uh, I like it, but maybe you need to get different microphones. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> they'll be like, yeah, you need a booster for that, or like, I would bump it up to a so and so, and yo, the camera. But I was like, you know what? It's okay, cause I said I always want to grow. You know what I'm saying? If we have issue with the lighting, we correct that. If we have issue with the sound, we correct that. So we went from doing it in Kate Quigley's apartment to finding a home at the um, the Hollywood Improv. I want to shout them out because they was really good mm. to us doing the podcast when nobody would let you in the building or whatever. They would sneak us in and we just had a nice little safe place to... In the upstairs? That's, we did it everywhere. We did it... Um, okay. We started in, um, in um, Bud's office. That was the first okay. place we did it. Then we went down to, I think, the lab. Then we went one show in the main room. Then we went to the bar. We're like... We hit everything in there, but big shout out to Ricardo and everybody, uh, Rita, Paige, everybody. Paige. Yeah, they were so cool with us. And now we just um, moved into a studio situation, which works better for me because then I could just, just, like, this is the best situation. You could just be driving down the street. It's like, fuck it. You want to do one. So it's right. been a good experience. And it's on, of course, it's on YouTube and all po- podcast platforms. And I'm having fun with it. You know, I've got my um, 
podcast guy who, who sells our ads and shit. Um, you know, I, I kind of look to him for for guidance, for advice. And it's like when people ask me to do a podcast, like I'll ask him, hey, you think I should do this podcast? And every single time I ask that question, the answer is look on Apple Podcast and see how many ratings it has. And if it has less than 1,000 ratings, then the answer is no, because that means they have no fucking audience. You're wasting your time talking to nobody. If they have over 1,000 ratings, then the answer is yes, because that's a meaningful audience. And I, I looked up here, it's 1.5,000. That's a yes. I didn't even know I had ratings. <laughs> that's a yes. I didn't know. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even know that. And I was wondered because they was like I was like will he do my podcast I guess your guy was checking the ratings before he said yes <laughs> I was like I need to answer now right like yeah. what the fuck are you doing like, please hold like, one second Steve's looking at your fucking ratings right yeah. <laughs> but I look at it I look at it I always say I tell my guys my podcast is not, I said it's a reality show about a podcast the mechanics of it like the personalities and working with different people like I think that's more interesting and I know that was the biggest thing for me like my shit don't add up with with, with when I say with my popularity and people it doesn't but I also realize that if you want something on something you got to put the time into it yeah it's not going to be easy it's not going to be overnight and I look at it like this as I grow as it grows it'll maybe it'll come to a point where where people really catch on to it now they'll start digging into the archive and right. see what the fuck they yeah, what, they, what mean, they missed. You're, yeah. you're talking like you don't have a. I, mean, I think the, the sense I get is that you got a successful ass podcast. It's coming, but then, but I'm looking at like, and I'm not to compare, but I'm looking at the guys right. that do the major numbers. Of course, right. I want to get there, but I always got to realize it takes time. And right. I even told Rogan on his podcast, anytime somebody comes into the podcast world, the first person say they want to be Joe Rogan. Right, uh-huh. but you want to be Joe Rogan now. Right, right. You don't want to be Joe Rogan when nobody believed in it. Yeah. You don't want to be Joe Rogan. He was like, "Hey, there's this new thing that's coming out." I'm right. telling you, you didn't want to be the blood and sweat Joe Rogan. You want to be the Spotify Joe Rogan. You want to be right. the motherfucker that got like fucking gas chambers or whatever that fucking white boy shit he got in his podcast, the <laughs> submerging tanks and the yeah. saunas. Yeah, yeah. Everybody <laughs> wants to be that Rogan. Sure. You don't want to be the Rogan when he had to deal with starting the hair loss, Rogan. Right. I, Nobody I wants remember, to deal with that. I don't part. think he made a penny on his podcast for years. Yeah. I, I remember like the the old school Rogan when when Bill Burr was in the room when when it was just a big fucking marijuana cloud. There was like fucking eight people in the room. Or, you know the comedy cellar and right. shit. Fucking. But one thing I can say the, the ice house. I mean, mm. one thing I respect. And Joe was very instrumental in me getting out the gate. He's still been a good friend to me. I still call him for advice about things. One thing I respect about him is his dedication to being the best stand-up he can be. Yeah. Because a lot of people, they do this. People do it for different reasons. People do it for therapy. Some people do it for the cash. You know, some people like just I just want the payday. That's why you see some motherfuckers that don't really work and they act. It's like this. They just collecting. They just, they just, it's a money grab. They do the same shit. 10, 15 years, same shit. Yeah. But... That motherfucker is true to comedy. Being a multi, 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 multi millionaire to still commit to doing shows when he was here every night. Yeah. Every night. You don't have to do that. It's you not. He could really, he could deal with one heckler and he could say, I'm rich, bitch, Mm -hmm. and stick the bitch Mm -hmm. and mean it. But I respect, and I respect any, anybody get to a certain amount of, a level of suspect, uh, a certain level of respect and a fortune to still be passionate about it and to do it still that way. That's why I consider him one of the dopest to do it. Yeah, yeah. man. Fuck sure. yeah. Well, hey, dude, what do you say we go do your podcast? I don't want to, I don't want you to do my fucking, let me go go check your rating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how many ratings yeah, you want? You want to, you want to sneak rating on me? Let me go check my rate. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, now I'm going to come back like, yeah, that's it for me tonight, guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, the man, light, guys. That's thank, my light. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. Oh, I couldn't wait to tell people how disrespectful you were to me, man. Good uh, uh, <laughs> stuff, man. You're a legend, man. I appreciate uh, everything uh, you did you for too, comedy, everything kid- you did for the culture and everything. All kidding aside, were, 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 were you offended by me in Cancun? No, no. I couldn't wait to talk. To- I like, I couldn't wait to run into you somewhere 
just to talk shit. Okay, good. And just so happened that I could do it on your podcast, so this is a better platform. Perfect. Even better, man. He's an asshole. He runs the light. <laughs> cool. I just give me um just a couple minutes to get my yeah, dude, ready. Easy. Yeah, easy. But thank you, man. Yeah, man. Fun. Hey, thank you. Bro, great right, you. Yes, sir. How about that? You know, he was really breaking my balls. Um, but whatever, dude. I went and did his podcast after that. We had a blast, man. Love Donnell Rawlings. And um, dude, did I mention at the top of this episode that I'm on my own tour bus? You can see. <laughs> well, I mean, some of you can see. It's fucking pretty crucial, dude. I mean, come on. Should I look at the other side? It's kind of cooler. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, why is this not all the way out? Oh, well. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm going back to bed. <laughs>